Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. How's everybody feeling this morning? Hey, there we go. So staying in theme with, with um, everything that we've talked about this morning, um, we're on, I want to, something the Lord put on my heart is God's field. If you're taking notes, you can put at the top of your paper, God's field. But today we're going to talk about God's field. Um, you know, uh, I think it was mm, two, maybe three weeks ago, we talked about changing, to na- changing the narrative, how we see and view things. But honestly, we as Clippers Grove, we have to look at this season of our life as the opportunity, not a problem. Everybody say opportunity. opportunity. We have to look at it as an opportunity to, to, um, to change the narrative. We have to look at it as an opportunity to see ourselves and to see this season different. So we have to understand that we, everybody say I, I. we are the collective that God has given an opportunity to rediscover who we are and who we are not. See, we have the perfect opportunity to, uh, to understand that we are a collective. A collective is a group of people, body of people, just a group of people. We are the collective that has the opportunity. We've been given this opportunity by God to rediscover who we are and who we're not. So just for a brief, just for like 30, 45 seconds, let's talk about who we are not. You know, we, right, we are moving away from an A and B selection church. We're moving away from a testify service church. We are moving away from random services just to raise money church. We're moving, we're slowly moving away from a home interior church. We're slowly moving away from, um, we are slowly moving away from uh, just anything and everything. We're slowly moving away from being unintentional. Mm, that's a bar. We're slowly moving away from being unintentional. Why? Because we want everything we do, we want it to be intentionality. We want to be purposeful. When you give somebody a birthday card on their birthday, it's because you intentionally thought, hey, this is their birthday. Intentionally, I'm going to give you a birthday card. So if we can do that in the physical realm, if we can drop a dollar twenty-seven, well, if you go to Dollar Tree, get a birthday card from Dollar Tree. Walmart, they jacked up four dollars. All right. So the service is not sponsored by Walmart. Anyways, but if we can do that in the physical realm and drop one to four dollars on that birthday card, then we should be we should have more excitement and more ump to be intentional about how we serve Jesus and how we and how we serve Jesus through the community. Amen. So for the next for the next part of the sermon, I want to talk about who we are. And you know, if you were here a few weeks ago by judging everybody in the room, everybody was here a few weeks ago. <laughs> hey. In order to find out who we are, we have to look at the spiritual Hey, there we go. That's right. The spiritual mirror. The Bible is our spiritual mirror. All right. We should be able to look in the Bible and see who God has mm, created you to be, who God has called you to be, who God wants you to be. Amen. Amen. When we look at the life of Jesus. So uh, who we are, we're going to look in the spiritual mirror. So if you have a Bible, if not, we'll put it on the screen. But this morning, I'm only going to give two scriptures, just two Two scriptures going to be in and out. Probably won't be in and out, but I know for sure two scriptures. First um, Corinthians chapter three verse verse nine. First Corinthians chapter three verse nine. I'll be in the New Living. I think that's what I gave you. Yeah. I go back and forth between those two. It's funny. Ten years ago, I was all about the ESV, and now 
I think I got a notification asked if I wanted to upgrade the ESV in my, I'm like, no, I don't even use that, man. Come on. It's like MySpace. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have one either. So, hey, we have something common. <laughs> I did, yes. Okay, I did. And MySpace, MySpace on MySpace was awesome. Okay, I thought I was, I thought I was the man. So I remember Shadra and the family, this is another side note, Shadra and the family was the first one to get Facebook. I remember she like sent me an invitation to join. I was like, what is this? I like rejected it. So yeah. So good job being a pioneer, Shadra. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul says this. He says, For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. So Paul tells, us, tells the church in Corinth, and he tells us that we are God's field. Everybody say, I am God's field. I am God's so uh, I want you to think about this for a minute because I am going to try to contain my excitement for the rest of this. Uh, I already told Mom and Drea some of it last night, and I was giddy. They were watching Hallmark, which I did them a blessing by interrupting their Hallmark, whatever they were watching. Uh, and I ran out, I was like, I got to tell you this one point. So, but we are God's field. That's what we're going to talk about today. I want you to understand we should be seeing ourselves as God's field. Um, a field takes on the role of a servant. Yes, I'm talking about when we drive through the countryside and we see all these fields that are producing crops, a field takes on the role of a servant. Doesn't play the role, it takes it on itself. See, playing a role means that there, ha- there comes, uh, there, there's a start and an ending. There's a, see, if, you, if I were to play a character, that means I get to start it and I get to end it. You know, my, my illustrious uh, theater career of eighth grade, you know, I played uh, in our eighth grade play, I can't even remember what it was, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but the character I played, I was uh, the, um, the, the tax audit guy. Like, I was so happy because I got to wear dad's, one of dad's suit coats uh, and his briefcase. I got to borrow his briefcase, and that was my props. Uh, goes to show our budget, I guess, wasn't the greatest because you had to bring your own props. Um, yeah, I know, SMH, you know. That was before GoFundMe accounts. But, um, you know, I, I loved it because here I am, you know, and I only had like maybe two pages worth of lines. But when I say two pages, like it wasn't like straight. It was like sporadic, like, you know. But if you combine all of them, it made two pages, but it may be like, you know, one bar here, two bars over there. So it was super easy to memorize. But, you know, at the end of the day, when the play was over, we all clapped, we did encore, we bowed, and that was it. I never played the character again. Don't desire to play that character. But when I say a field takes on the role, that means it takes it upon itself. It learns from the master. It learns from the farmer. So a field takes on the role as a servant. So in order to be God's field, we must decrease in order for him to increase. That, that's John 3.30. That's scripture. You can't say, Lindsay, you made that up. No, no, that's John 3.30. If we're going to take on as a field, if we're going to be God's field, that means we have to decrease in order for him to increase in our life. Amen? Amen. I like verse 9 because the Passion Translation says that we are co-workers with God. Now, when I first read that, I was like, ooh, co-workers, like... I don't know, but because God is God. God is Elohim. God is all sovereign, uh, full sovereignty. Nobody can wear that shirt. He is sovereign. Nobody can do what he does. How can we be on this? No, no, no. Paul says that we are co-workers with God. So to think of it this way, the best way to understand that you and I are a co-worker with God, think about it this way. The farmer and the field, they co-work together. Amen. 
along with the elements, along with God, to produce a crop and a harvest. They co-work together. They work alongside together. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. Therefore. God works with us by working through us. See, God, we are co-workers with God. How, do, how, how does God work with us? He works with us by working through us. The farmer works with the field by working through the field, by sowing into the field, by planting, by tilling. So get ahead. We're going we to break that down for a minute. But God works with us by working through us. Amen? That's a double entendre, and I love it. God wants to build you to last. The person you see in the mirror, God wants to build you to last. You know, the moment I, when I wrote that down, I thought about the commercial back in the day, built for tough, you know, built for tough. Um, like a rock, you know, sorry, spoiler alert. But God wants to build you to last. In verse 9, we read that we are God's building. Literally, what, what we just read, Paul said that not only are we God's field, but we are God's building. Someone say built to last. So I'm going to give you one more scripture. If you, have, if you still have a Bible, if not, we'll put it on the screen. But in John 15, 16, in the Passion Translation, this is, this is probably my ultimate favorite verse. John 15, 16. John 15, 16. I'll give you, give you a moment. Give me a moment while I get some water. Super awkward. <clears throat> in John 15, 16, Jesus says this. He says, you didn't choose me. Stop. I remember the first time I read this scripture, um, I was, it was my second year of Bible college, and I was really struggling with depression. I was really struggling with the not, the, I was really struggling with suicidal thoughts. I was really struggling with insecurity and anxiety, and I kept it all to myself, and it was to a point where it had bubbled over, and I was sitting in the kitchen of uh, the apartment, me and my roommate uh, rented out, and he had already gone to work, and literally, I'm just, I'm praying and asking God, like, God, I need, I need you in this moment. There's nothing else I can do on my own. There's no, I can't make, I can't make this go away. I can't make, I can't make a way out of anything. And I remember as I'm reading the scripture, he led me to this in John 15, 16, and I love it. You didn't choose me. We're talking about being God's field. But understand this, Jesus choose me. Understand this, the field doesn't choose the farmer. The farmer chooses the field. You never go out here seeing how fields, they're like, you know what, I, I like that guy. Look at that family. Oh, they got a sweet dog. Oh, they got a rough dog. Mm, nah. No, 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 no. The farmer is the one that goes out and inspects the field. The farmer is the one that chooses the field. And I know you've probably never thought of it because I've never thought of it. And if you have thought of it, kudos to you. But I want to, I want to illustrate to you how a farmer goes about choosing a field. Number one, the farmer will prep the soil by understanding what nutrients it needs, uh, understanding what nutrients the soil may need in order to select the right type of fertilizer. The second thing the farmer will do is, the farmer will check the seed's genetic potential by tracing its origin. Ooh. So the farmer, the farmer will look at the seed and it can determine how much potential it has based off of where it came from. Hey, if you ain't called it, let me, let me, let me, let me pull you up to speed. All right, we are God's field. Amen. Amen. Our origin is in Jesus. Our origin is in the finished work of the cross. So guess what? We are. So when it comes to your potential, your potential is exceedingly above more than you can ask or think. Why? Because of whose we are, not because of who you are, 
but because of whose you are, but because of what he did at the cross, because you have received that. At the end of the day, Jeremiah 29, 11 says that he knew you before your mama knew you. And guess what? We were saved before the foundations of the earth. So when the farmer checks the seed to see its potential, God already knows your potential. Why? Because we're in him. Amen. Why? Because we've always been in him. Amen. Amen. The third thing a farmer will do is, I love this next part, the farmer forms a fertilizer strategy. I may get in trouble with this one. Spoiler, just letting you know. The farmer forms a fertilizer strategy. We all know what fertilizer is, right? Kellen and Keenan ain't in here, so I can't get in trouble for saying the next word. But we all know what fertilizer, don't fertilizer just smell so good? No, it don't. No, that's right. Thank you, Granny. Fertilizer stinks. Oh, it stinks. It stinks. It stinks. I remember, I, I can't remember how I ended up transporting a bag of fertilizer in the car one time while I was down there. It may have been for, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it was for work. But anyways, I remember just that thing was stinking. Oh, that, for, that forerunner never smelled so bad. Never smelled so bad. But a farmer, a farmer will come up with a specific fertilizer strategy in order for that field to produce a crop. You know what that means? It means that not just any type of crap will work in your life. It takes certain agitators to produce the very thing that, it, that allows you to fulfill God's given purpose on your life. Amen. I'm going to say it again. It takes certain agitators. It takes certain things creating friction in your life that will cause you to ultimately fulfill God's given purpose in your life. <clears throat> At the end of the day, we complain so much about all the different agitators in our life. We complain about all the different things that we're frustrated about. I'm guilty of it. But maybe that's the fertilizer that God has specifically chosen in order to produce some kind of fruit in your life. So next time we get to complaining, maybe we should be like, before we complain, before we, before we bind up, before we point out, before we sling oil, maybe we should say, God, first of all, maybe we should sling oil on ourselves and say, God, is, is, this, is this the route that it's going to take in order to produce the fruit that you want in my life? Because if it is, God, give me grace to endure it. God, give me grace to be patient. Amen. I love my kids. God is giving me my kids. They are a gift from God. Psalms 127.4, they are, uh, they, they, uh, they, uh, children are born to a man like uh, quivers in an arrow. Oh, how beautiful. Uh, may your quiver be full of arrows. I fully agree with that. But if you come to our house, there are days where I'm just like, these kids? These kids. And even before we moved here and had help, when we was living down there, I would Kelsey, get your kids. Get them. They straight your kids. I don't know where they come from, but they're your kids. They ain't my kids. I'm done. There's even to the point they be like, Daddy, Daddy's gone. Daddy, Daddy's gone. Daddy, Daddy's gone. Dad, we be sitting on the couch. Daddy, Daddy's gone. Daddy, Daddy's gone. We can clearly see each other. Daddy, Daddy's gone. Daddy, Daddy's gone. But there are certain things that we should be like, you know what? Instead of complaining, God, is this what you put in my life in order to bear fruit? Is this what you put in my life to bear fruit? Number four, the farmer will inspect and test the equipment used on the field before he actually, you know, commits to using that for the rest of the year, he or she. Five, this is, we're going to, Lindsay, keep it calm, keep it calm. But number five, the farmer will till the land. Till the land, that means plowing. That means breaking up the soil or fertilizing the soil. And if we were to walk out these doors and go find, go find the, the land, go find the fields. If you were to, if the fields can talk and you can ask them, uh, you know, how does it feel being uh, tilled? How does it feel being plowed upon? How does it feel your, your dirt being broken up and mixed together and, and crumbled? The field will tell you it doesn't feel good. 
It doesn't feel good uh, when uh, the land, when it's being tilled or when it's being broken up or when it's being plowed. The tilling of our life doesn't feel good. Why? Because your life is not about your feelings. Your life was never meant to be about your feelings. When in proof, case in point, did anybody, did, did God consult anybody in here before he sent Jesus to the cross? He did not. Man, that God. Why? Because our life is not about our feelings. Now, I, I agree it is so easy to be so, uh, it is so easy to be focused solely on feelings, but the tilling of your life doesn't feel good because life is not about your feelings. The tilling of our life doesn't feel good because tilling was never designed to be comfortable. Plowing was never designed to be comfortable. Being broken was never designed to be comfortable. Being mixed together was never designed to be comfortable. The tilling of our life doesn't feel comfortable. Why? Because decreasing does not feel comfortable. In order to decrease, we have, in order to inc- for God to increase, we have to decrease. And that happens through the tilling of our life. That happens through the great farmer plowing and breaking and breaking the insecurities, breaking the anxiety, breaking the offense, breaking all the past hurt, breaking all the bitterness, breaking all that up, mixing it together as fertilizer, as fertilizer. Somebody say, I am God's field. In John 15, 16, we're still reading it, but said that you didn't choose me. I have chosen you and commissioned you to go into the world. The world in that statement or uh, that phrase that Jesus said, it includes food giant. It includes Dodge Store and Walmart and the gas station and north of the border. Shout out to north of the border. This is not sponsored by north of the border, but they want to. They can. Best, the best way to explain it is when Jesus said, I have commissioned you to go into the world. When you open your front door, whatever you see, that's where you're supposed to go. Well, Lindsay, I don't talk to my neighbors. Hey, the world is outside your front door. Amen. Watch this. The world is outside of your feelings. The world is past your traditions. The world is past your expectations. The world is past our preconceived notions. The world is everything we see outside our window, outside of our door. And Jesus said, I've commissioned you. I've plowed your land. I have broken the soil. I've put fertilizer in order for you to go out into the world and bear fruit and shine like Jesus. The problem is, a lot of times we just keep what we learn in here, in here. Or we're so, we're so focused on when we go to church, God, I need this, I need breakthrough, I need miracles, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we're so, so focused on I, 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 that we bring our Christmas list to God and we don't say, okay, God, what is it you want me to do? <clears throat> what the state of the county, Lord, the state of Henderson County, how am I supposed to have an impact on it for your glory? Lord, who is it you want me to save? I saw this person walking the other day, God, am I supposed to do it? Lord, I saw them walking. I, it wasn't an accident, was it, God? How, how many of us ever asked that question when we're driving on the road? I, I've never asked that question. There's certain people in town that when I see them walking, I'm like, ah, get out the road, man. Are you going to cause a wreck? Kelsey knows what I'm talking about. There is, everybody knows where mom and dad live. I mean, it's an open highway. It's 50 turn to 65. And there's one, there's one person, I'll go nameless, but this person was walking out there <clears throat> crossing the road. All right, and there's dump trucks. There's dump trucks swerving blaring the horn, rocks flying, cars. I was like, oh, what are you doing out here? That's my first reaction. Ah, oh, what are you doing out here? McDonald's is that way. You know, food giant, Walmart's all that. There's nothing out here. There's nothing out here. Instead, the right response would have been like, God, why is this person out here? 
Why am I seeing this person? Lord, is this, is this, is this a collision that you have, that you are allowing for me to come and, I don't know, minister? I don't know, pray? I don't, what is it you want me to do with this? Versus complaining, versus pointing, versus griping. But he said, I have chosen you and commissioned you to go into the world. The world is what we see outside our front door. It's what we see outside our window. But he said, I've chosen you, commissioned you to go into the world and look, bear fruit. Everybody say bear fruit. Bear fruit. So, what, so you mean to tell me what we face every day is the right type of fertilizer in order for you to bear fruit? Mm. I mean, the, the, and see, that, that goes both ways. It's both sides of the coin. It's the, it's the all pretty side of the coin where we're like, you know, oh, he made a way. Yes, he made a way. And that fertilizer springs up the right fruit, and we have that fruit of gratefulness. But the other side of the coin is, you know, those people that rub you the wrong way, those people that, that cut you off, those people that remind you where you need to go, those people that try to put you in place. That's the type of fertilizer, too, that he uses in order to bear fruit, in order to produce the type of fruit. Not just any type of fruit, but the scripture says, and your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my father for my sake, he will give it to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say, I am God's field. I am God's field. <clears throat> I'm going to close with this. But last week we talked about pleasant contrast. We talked about when it comes to Jesus, Jesus is a pleasant contrast. Why? Because the kingdom of God, it's the opposite of this world. This world says that if you want to get ahead, you got you to gotta kick everybody out of the way, and you got to put yourself ahead. You have to make it happen. But Jesus says if you want to get ahead, get ahead, you have to put yourself second. He said the first should be last, and the last should be first. So the Bible, the gospel, following Jesus, it is full of pleasant contrast. But when it comes to farming, farmers, they do this, this, this pleasant contrast. And I want to talk about it as we end. They do this real pleasant contrast, and I'm going to do my best to, can, to keep my excitement at bay because if, if you really allow this to sink into your soul, I promise it's going, to trans, it's going to unlock something within you, and it's going to shift something. But farmers, they do this thing called, and some of you may have heard it, <clears throat> they do this pleasant contrast called burning fields, where they burn the fields. And the reason I say it's a pleasant contrast because, you know, farmers, they're trying to grow. They're trying to produce a harvest, produce a crop. Burning, burn, it, it kills it. It, it eliminates it. it. It extinguishes out. Or does it? Or does it? Look at the person beside you or behind you and say, or does it? Look at them and say, oh, y'all better pray for Lindsay. He's getting too wound up. <laughs> but farmers, they, they, they burn the field. They burn their fields, and and there's 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 a a uh, there's a numeral amount of benefits that come from burning the fields, and I want to list four. So when a farmer burns the field, here's what happens: uh, they do it obviously to get rid of weeds and dead plants from previous crops, because if there's if if the previous crops are still up there, there's no room for the new seeds to spring up. Therefore, they get stifled. Mm. I'm going to say it again. They get stifled. Burning the fields, it allows to burn off the weeds. It allows to burn off the dead crops. Another thing is burning the fields, it kills all parasites and tits, and it purges the eggs hidden within the grass. Lindsay, what is this? I promise we're getting somewhere. The third one is the ash from all the, from all the fire, the ash from all the dead plant material. It becomes a nutrient and a fertilizer. There's that word fertilizer again. It becomes a fertilizer for the new seeds to grow. 
and this is my favorite one. This is my, you, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. Look at person's side and say, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. No, I wasn't ready. This, this is the one where I had, I ran out of the room and I ran downstairs and I interrupted their Hallmark session. I said, you got to hear this. But the fourth one, the fourth, another, uh, another benefit of a farmer burning its, uh, his or her field is if there are any leftover seeds that didn't open because of winter, if there are any leftover seeds that are on the ground that they didn't open because of the snow or because of the harsh, cold temperature, guess what? The fire will crack open those seeds and allow them to germinate. See, that word germinate, you know what it means? It means to come into being. Ooh. So when they burn the fields, the fire allows that seed to come into being. That fire allows, it melts all the, the, the leftover snow off, and it causes that seed to crack open and germinate, and in, in, uh, obviously just meaning to evolve and to become who the farmer intended for that seed to be. Guess what? When God is burning things off your life, it's not, it's not just him being petty or him being mean, but obviously he understands that there is something in you that has not developed yet. There is stuff, there is dreams, there is promises that he's made that guess what at the end of the day it takes some frustrations it takes some bitterness it takes some rough moments but guess what there's something in you that will crack open and come into fruition we have to embrace what he does we have to embrace every moment whether it's good or whether it's bad we have to understand even in this moment he's doing something even like the song said even in this moment he's working even when I'm at work, he's still working. Even when there's zero dollars in the account, he's working. Even when everybody has left me, he is working. Woo. Guess what, church? There, he, is, he wants to burn some things off you. Not because he's like, ooh, fire. No. He wants to burn something off you. Why? Because he is the great farmer and he knows your potential. He knows your potential even when you don't know it. I fully believe that if God knows how many hairs are on my entire body, he knows my potential. Even when you can't see the hairs, he knows. God knows everything. He knows your potential. And he is so invested. Not only is he invested to the point that he sent his son to the cross, that he sees you as a field and he continues to fertilize. He continues to plow. He continues to break up the soil. He continues to water. He continues to shine. He continues to burn the right things off in order to produce, in order to bear fruit and not just any fruit. Not just any fruit. Because see, when I remember when we moved down to Florida, I was thinking, I was like, oh, we're in the Sunshine State. The produce is going to be lit. We go to Walmart, and I was like, what is this? These oranges are brown. What is this? And uh, somebody told me that's like, oh, you, you thought you was going to get some good produce. No, welcome to the state where the sun burns everything. I was like, okay. And sure enough, we found out that heat will cook you. But at the end of the day, fruit on this side of eternity, oh man, fruit on this side of eternity has an expiration date. But the fruit that God springs up in you, the fruit that God germinates in your heart, it doesn't have an expiration date. The fruit on the other side of eternity, fruit of righteousness, that's why Jesus said fruit that will last. He didn't say fruit that will last until fall. He didn't say fruit that will last until you get a new job or fruit that will last until you get a spouse or fruit that will last when you turn a, a 50 and older or fruit that will last when you graduate a certain college or fruit that will last when you've read a hundred scriptures. Fruit that will last, period. Fruit that will last, period. 
Church, there are some things that God wants to burn within us. Why? Because he's not just in the mood to set things afire. No, he's in the mood to grow. He's in the mood to grow. God's all about growth. In fact, he says in, he says in 2 Peter, he says that he's not, he's not, just, he's not just sitting idly by. He's not, just, uh, he's not just sleeping. But no, he's patiently hoping and expecting and wanting each and every soul to grow, to find love, to love him in order for them to advance the kingdom of God, in order for them to go to heaven. At the end of the day, what are we growing? Or better yet, what are we allowing God to grow in us? What am I allowing God to grow in me? You have to ask yourself that question. What, what am I willing to allow God to burn up in this field? Am I willing to allow God to burn what I think church should look like? Am I, allow, am I willing to allow God to burn up how I think being the right type of spouse should, should look like? Or am I willing to allow God to, to burn up where all every expectation that I had for my life? You know, those, you know that standard that we hold for ourselves, that we judge ourselves too harshly on? I, I know it. Are we, allowing to, are we willing to allow God to take that and burn it up and say, I just want you to follow me. I have a plan for your life. I'll evaluate and let you know if you're too hot or too cold. Stop criticizing yourself. I'll evaluate. I'll let you know if, you, if the bots has been checked or not. And guess what? Spoiler alert, it has. It was checked by his son at the cross. Hebrews chapter 4, we read it last week, but literally it says for us to rest, to stop trying to add improvements to what he's already finished. When the farmer, when the farmer uh, plants the seed, we never see him go back and dig each, you know, each week. Ah, no, he just, he puts it in the ground and leaves it. Let's nature do the work. Why? Because the farmer understands that there's things in the soil that he could never produce, even if he wanted to. There's things on your job that will produce stuff that you didn't expect them to. There's things uh, in the community that God is going to use to produce what you never expected. But we have to be willing to let him burn the things. We have to be willing to let God burn the anxiety or the insecurities or the offense or the hurt. The past. Everything that is dead in your life, God wants to burn. Lindsay, how do we know if it's dead or not? Is it moving us towards Christ? That's, that's, that's simple enough. Jesus is the life giver. Is it moving us towards the life giver or is it pulling it away, pulling us away? If it's moving us towards Christ, then guess what? We keep it. If it's pulling us away, we say, we, we put it on the altar, say, God, burn this up. Because guess what? God is all powerful, but he's not going to do, he's, he's not going to force you. He, he already knows what's dead in our life. He already knows the pesticides. He already knows the things that need to be uh, eliminated, but he is not going to force you. It takes a cleansing. It takes, a, it takes us asking ourselves the hard questions and saying, okay, I love the way this looks. I love the way this sounds. I love the way it feels. I love the way it tastes. If, it was a, if, I, if I can do it every day and not gain a pound, I would eat red velvet cake every day, all day. Except for breakfast, because it's not a breakfast food. But I would eat at lunch and dinner and snack every day. But there's consequences for eating unhealthy. The same goes spiritually. There are consequences for putting your flesh before God. There's consequences uh, for putting traditions over relationship with Jesus. 
There's consequences uh, when we just solely seek Jesus on Sunday mornings from 10 o'clock to 11.45 or 12, and then we, we put them on the shelf the rest of the week. There's consequences when we choose things over Jesus, when we prioritize things over Jesus. I encourage you, find, find the things in your life that you need to deprioritize, that you need to move off, you need to, to, to move off and place Jesus higher than that. Place his mission higher than that. What does God want to burn in you? What does God want to burn in you? Because guess what? He's trying to make new ways out of no ways. He wants to make some new ways out of no ways. Lindsay, what does that mean? It means a new way out of an impossible situation, a pleasant contrast. He is the ultimate pleasant contrast. And guess what? If we're going to follow him, we have to embrace those moments. We have to say, okay, God, I don't want it to be like this. So I submit right now. I move past my feelings and I move past my, uh, what I think it should be like. I move past the way it was 50 years ago. I move past the way it was 100 years ago. I move past the way it was a week ago. Things are, con- we live in a world constantly, things are evolving and changing. Not saying that we become people pleasers, but I'm saying there's one constant that people forget about, and that is the gospel. That's the one thing that doesn't change. But unfortunately, we live in a world where people don't want to receive it. So we can, we can, we can be, we can, we have two options. We could be the, the one that, uh, that's like, you know what? I know the gospel's true. I'm just, that's, if they don't like it, they don't like it. Or we can be the type of people that say, okay, we can be the collective that says, okay, the gospel, this is the gospel. I will not change my message, but how can I help you see it? How can I help you receive it? What do you know about the gospel? What, what, what have you heard? What, what have people said? What have people done to you? What have people told you? And just like we read last week where Jesus took the, the two men uh, in Luke 24 when he was walking with them, it's explaining the scriptures because they had the wrong idea of Jesus. They thought Jesus wasn't the Messiah because he died on the cross. And Jesus took the scriptures and began to explain that he always was who he always said he is. We do the same with our loved ones. We do the same with people at the job. I'm not saying that you take the Bible and you just slap them. No, I ain't saying that. But I'm saying you love them even when they get on your nerves. You help them out even, even when they have snitched or lied or whatever it is. You help them out. And when they're like, why are you doing this? You say, I'm doing this because Jesus has done this for me in my life. Let me tell you about him. The world is outside these double doors. And we are meant to shine like Jesus. You are God's field. Please don't leave here forgetting that. You are God's field and there are things that he is cultivating in you. Praise 